Welcome, fellow lighting nerds and friends, to another episode of The Light Files, the lighting industry's podcast. My name is Lisa Bartlett. Thank you for listening in once again. I appreciate everyone who joins me here every week on Tuesday mornings or whenever you're listening to this. I really appreciate it and love the community we're forming with the podcast. It's really awesome to me. Um, Speaking of, I'll start with my weekly promo for the Patreon for the podcast, patreon.com slash lightfiles. I want to give you all a little incentive to jump on over on that link (laughs) and support the podcast. So it's $5 a month. When I hit 50 subscribers, I'm going to start doing um, interviews, hopefully weekly, probably bi-weekly, just judging on, you know, time and people's um, ability to schedule such a thing. But there's a whole host of people that I want to talk to um, just to hear their stories from the industry and their thoughts on a lot of the things I've been talking about. Um, I can name a whole catalog of people. I'd love to catch up with Linda Longo. I'd love to talk to Nathan Frampton. I'd love to talk to my friend Tim Stum in Texas and find out, does he regret telling the girl in the back at a Quizelle um uh, what is it? Uh, anyway, when we would go evaluate the Quizelle products, when he told me to step up to the front and give my opinion, he probably rused the day um, he ever gave me that advice. <laughs> um, but a whole, you know, Karen at uh, Karen Lang at Hinsdale Lighting, uh, my friend Pete Dupre, who opened a showroom in Jacksonville um, just a few years ago when probably nobody was thinking about opening a lighting showroom, um, just all sorts of wonderful people in this industry I'd love to have uh, interviews with. And so my incentive to you to stop hearing just my voice and to hear others is to help me get to 50 subscribers on Patreon. It's $5 a month. I'll go ahead and do the quick math for you. That's $250 a month. Full disclosure, that money um, does come to me personally as my incentive to continue to produce this podcast and to try to make it the best product I possibly can. Um, Y'all can imagine that's far less than I make at my regular day job, but uh, I I love this and uh, I appreciate everyone who uh, can be a part of it. So patreon.com slash light files takes all of 30 seconds to set up. And again, as soon as we hit 50 subscribers, it's on. We're going to really make some awesome thing happen in this space and get more voices heard and um get some feedback from all parties about the things I've been discussing. Discussing. This is episode um, 27, believe it or not. So um, we're, we're well into Lisa's opinions on the world and let's get some others. So speaking of, let's jump right into Lisa's opinions. <laughs> so um, I have mentioned before weeks ago on this podcast that I'm sort of a fan of Well, I'm a fan of like business reality shows. Okay, I'm a fan of reality shows in general. Let's just get that straight. If it's on Bravo, I watch it. Shout out Christina Christopher. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's just, uh, it's my thing. But I also love other kinds of, well, reality-based shows. I understand they're not really real, but so I love Shark Tank. I just think it's really interesting um, entrepreneurs and all their ideas. And I know this is all produced for television to be dramatic and all that fun stuff. Um, but I still enjoy it. And as somebody who became a business owner by accident (laughs) and has a college, uh, liberal arts education with a degree in political science, 
Um, sure, that's helped me with some things along the way in my career. Um, has it helped me just know business 101? Um, no, it sure hasn't. I'm very lucky in that my um, husband is a very, very successful entrepreneur and learned all the hard lessons <laughs> as a business owner. Um, and so he's definitely been able to help teach me uh, some things. And honestly, uh, the Lighting Showroom Association has probably been my biggest educator in being a showroom owner and how to do better and be better. Um, I can't think of a better resource of a group of showroom owners than the Lighting Showroom Association. Small plug for the LSA. Now is the time to join. We have great things coming in 2022 and the end of 2021. Um, the network is just an amazing group of committed people. And so if you're a showroom owner out there, or if you're a manufacturer out there who wants to plug into showroom owners more, you, you will never find a better group of more engaged, considerate, uh, thoughtful people about the lighting industry than you'll find at the LSA. And they have really changed my business since, uh, the LSA was founded in October, 2018, um, 2019 was our first full year. Um, and honestly, that's only been two, two years, 18 months, whatever, however <laughs> math, Lisa, uh, in those, let's going to, I'm going to round up the three years, uh, have become a far better business owner just because of that group. So anyway, I like business reality TV is where this started shark tank. But another one of my favorites is, uh, the prophet Marcus Lemonis, uh, in the prophet on CNBC. And I've mentioned him before. He has this people uh, product uh, process philosophy, and I really like it. Um, you know, it's made for TV. Uh, Marcus Lemonis's flagship business is uh, the Camping World chain of stores um, because we like the profit so much. When Frank and I in 2020 were in the market, Frank is my husband, sorry, when we were in the market for um, a travel trailer. Uh, we did go to Camping World uh, to check things out. We ended up purchasing a, a unit from them. That was all fine. I have to say the service after the sale and the service department with Camping World was just atrocious. And uh, yes, I have let them know and all that fun stuff. So it's not like I'm uh, just bashing them here and never gave them a chance to address any of the problems. I'm a retailer, so I for sure did that. Um, but I guess my bigger point is that like, I'm about to say something that Marcus Lamona said on the new season of The Prophet that just started playing. But I also understand this man is just like the rest of us. He's got a business to run. He's here to make money. He's not doing TV shows out of the kindness of his heart. Um, he's certainly getting paid to do it. <laughs> and so not everything is perfect in his world. So not I'm not saying everything he says is gospel by any stretch. I just like to watch these shows and pick up on little nuggets that people say, because they are business people who've been doing this a very long time. And every now and again, you get this like glimmer of truth while they're doing the drama of the TV show. And it really resonates with me. So this most recent season of the prophet there, he, you know, went to a business that does um, like honeybee farms. Anyway, he was telling these people, they mostly, to that point had sold their product through distribution, um, like through Ace Hardware or True Value or, you know, stores like that, Home Depot. I don't even, I don't know if they did the big box stores, but in a similar model to how we distribute 
light fixtures. Um, and uh, Marcus said to the owners of this business, the, the uh, manufacturers, that in today's day and age, it is okay as a wholesaler to sell some products direct to consumer. And he, I believe the number he threw out was 25%. He said, in today's day and age, it is okay as a wholesaler to sell some products up to 25% direct to consumer. So I talked about this uh, on a podcast a few weeks ago. We already know this idea is out there in the world, in the lighting world. And um, it's I guess it, it's just not going away. It's not going away. This idea of wholesalers selling direct to consumer is not going to go away. Like, let's look at that. So we all know that a manufacturer is going to make far more margin on a product wholesale uh, selling it direct to consumer than they will selling it through classic distribution channels like showrooms. And that additional margin, I, I believe, is where they're going to come up with the money to, to support that business. So like the customer service, all, um, I mean, everything would essentially be a drop ship. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Honestly, I'm sure there's, um, a, you'd have to be selective in what you would sell direct con to consumer um, products that have to only ship Freightline. Um, probably doesn't make sense to offer up to just any old homeowner to buy. This would only be like small parcel goods, but there's definitely, I mean, I definitely can see the impulse and like, let's uh, save our things that are a little uh, tougher sales, some, something that needs an educated salesperson standing nearby. Let's save that stuff for the showrooms. Uh, but the quick, easy, relatively inexpensive products, uh, let's just sell those direct to consumer and just make the most margin we po possibly can on it. I think it probably makes sense to most of us that the goods that cost the least probably also have the least margins in them coming from the manufacturer. Um, I, I mean, that all makes sense to me. So why give, so say you're getting, uh, let's say you're getting a hundred percent margin on a, like a hundred dollar item. Like why give half of that away? Like, why not just keep it? I, I mean, I get it. And, and just do the higher ticket items through the showrooms. So I really think um, it's, it is probably when I when I heard this quote on the TV show, I like paused it and rewound it a couple times and drove Frank nuts because um, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is just a thing. And here I am sitting here thinking that this is just a thing that my industry is facing uh, but no, this is just a thing out in the world. And uh, I guess this kind of really solidified it for me that it's probably not going to change for us. I actually think it's being slowed down for lighting showrooms in the lighting industry right now because of the skyrocketing freight and container costs that are going on manufacturers. Because whatever extra funds they might have used to support uh, in-house customer service agents and all the additional freight charges and headaches they have for selling direct to consumer, probably all the funds that might've been earmarked for that and marketing direct to consumer, the funds set aside for that are probably now being, having to be redirected to just pay for containers and shipping costs just to get products made and in, into the country. Um, so that's maybe buying us a little bit of time, <laughs> but I, I still think it's, it's a thing that's coming. Um, 
you know, a lot of manufacturers who sell to big box stores have stopped uh, white labeling their goods. They did they put their product name directly on it. We had one in my showroom yesterday for a ceiling fan manufacturer, and they wanted to know why the ceiling fan manufacturer's downrod same manufacturer name on the box. Why did the downrod that I bought in your store, your independent lighting showroom, not fit the fan that I bought at the big box store? And, you know, so then we go with the value engineering and the, you know, shrinking things down and, you know, whatever. It's just a different grade of product that you're selling to a big box store. But yeah, he could care less. He just thought we were uh, ripping him off for a fan that was like 250 bucks at a big box store. And our showroom version of it is like $700. <laughs> it's, I mean, I get it. It is what it is. Let's not, let's not go too sideways here, Lisa. But the direct to consumer thing is happening. It's in the world. It's really pervasive. I think the, again, I think these additional costs from having all of the freight and containers, like I, I think this might be slowing things up a smidge um, while manufacturers get their feet back under them in terms of like, how long are we going to have to absorb these extra costs? Do we have to raise prices again? Oh, please, no, please don't raise prices again. Just the headache. Um, I've gotten more uh, comments uh, lately on the headache of uh, price increases and not so much like uh, consumers just don't want to pay these prices. Just from the sheer volume of work it generates every time there's a price increase, and, you know, showrooms already work on pretty tight margins, especially when you're having to discount goods to the trade. Um, so, man, if you miss a price update or you haven't been able to apply it yet and your trades people are still expecting their discount, ugh, it's such it can be such a nightmare and just a big job to keep up with. But, um, yeah, so no more price increases, but I, <laughs> I, but it could happen, you know, um, everybody needs to do what they need to do to stay in business. And, um, it, it, yeah, it's just the way of the world. I, based on news I've been seeing, I wouldn't be surprised if this is all going on through, I don't know, uh, spring, summer, 2022, before things start settling out and getting back to sort of normal levels of operation, that's pretty significant. But on this topic, that does give us a really great window as an industry to talk about our business partnerships with showrooms and manufacturers and how we really see those fitting together into the future. I keep like throwing these ideas out, like maybe, you know, showrooms focus more on being like specifying agents and work with architects and retailers and specify a bill of goods from their partner manufacturers. I think that's an excellent idea. Yes, let's pursue that. Let's pursue this path of, of showrooms as experts and send people there for expert advice. And I think a lot of this, and this is where I really think the rubber could meet the road with showrooms and manufacturers is I really wish manufacturers could, maybe there's a reason they can't, could slash would go the extra mile to really support their showroom distribution. And I mean like ads. I don't mean co-op dollars for me to make my own ads. <laughs> I mean, take this national brand that you've created 
uh, manufacturer A, you've created this great national brand, you know, hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers or tens of thousands of Instagram followers or whatever it is, you've created this national brand. You've worked hard at it. You've put tremendous amount of marketing dollars behind it. And I think it's excellent. And I think you should highlight key showroom partners in that marketing, whether it's just on Instagram or whatever, like, oh, it, um, y'all know I'm pretty Instagram focused, but so like, but expand that out to whatever, I'll just say Instagram, but it could be any marketing platform. Like let's really drive these partnerships home. Let's really, you know, use that brand that you're creating out there in the world. Cause there aren't a lot of brands and lighting, but there are definitely some let's use that brand, use those awareness to drive traffic strategically to your showroom partners that are displaying your goods. And is a little bit of the challenge going to be that they walk in because of your promotion and find somebody else's product. Yes, I do get it. (laughs) I get it. But if you're strategic about this, if we set up strategic partnerships to really work together, it doesn't have to go that way. Perhaps you're driving traffic to the showroom with a 10% off coupon good at that showroom for your product only. I mean, why not? And then they're all, then the, the consumer is already incentivized to only look at your product. And let's make partnerships out of this. And I think um, I just have to say, I hear this a lot uh, kind of off the cuff um, and I, I, I don't really know how per- pervasive this is at all. I hear this from reps a good bit that some showrooms are not great at keeping up their end of the bargain with manufacturers. So like, I don't know, uh, what's a good example. So purchasing a product, uh, on a display order, that's not really a display. It's uh, sold goods for a homeowner or something. Um, I mean, that's not what display programs are for. They're for product displays for the showroom. Um, now if you do like, um, one to show one to go and the one to go is already sold. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. (laughs) But if you say I'm buying just one of these fixtures so I can put it on display in my showroom, but it never actually ends up on display, just ends up, you know, in somebody's home. Like, I don't love that. That's not the point of that program. Um, that discount is, is for me to, uh, to get great product on display. So I'm not really shaming anybody for this. I'm just saying like issues like that, I think is part of the reason why manufacturers don't want to commit more to doing these kinds of programs with showrooms. Cause I think they're afraid they're just going to get taken advantage of, which I get. Uh, cause I don't want that. And, and then we end up just going around and around and pointing our fingers at one another, but there is also a way that we could, you know, pick, do, do some trial programs, pick a showroom or a group of showrooms manufacturer that, you know, are really solid business partners with you that your sales agent can go check in on regularly. You can sign on the dotted line together. We commit for the next 12 months that we're going to do this promotion for you. We're going to do this marketing. We're going to drive business into your store. And in return, you're going to focus people on this product. You're going to give them this incentive to buy whatever it is, but work that out. Have your sales agents boots on the ground, go check in and make sure the program's running the way it has been committed to. And let's test some things out. Like, 
There are ways we could right now be solidifying these partnerships to give showrooms the place they need to be in the world so that as this direct consumer, 25%, can you imagine that? 25% of what manufacturers sell, up to 25% is what we as showrooms could easily expect every manufacturer we partner with to start selling direct to consumer. I don't think that's that much of an exaggeration. Is it going to happen sooner for other people, some manufacturers than others? Sure. By and large, it's already happening. Whether it's clear to us or not, whether it's white labeled, whatever it is, the direct-to-consumer train has left the station. I believe it is not really an exaggeration to think that 25% of the goods that currently are sold through lighting showrooms could easily be duplicated. I mean, it's like double channels here. Yeah, we can still sell it through the showroom. You still have access to it. I'm not saying they wouldn't cut off our access to it, but they will also just sell that same goods in whatever price range works best direct to consumer. It's here. It's happening. So let's take this little bit of a breather that we have as an industry. Okay. Breather's the wrong word (laughs) because we're all scrambling a bit to get product and back orders and freight charges and all that. But before that big, bigger wave that I see out there of direct to consumer happens, let's really solidify our, our marketing relationships, our partnerships. I think it is okay to say, I own a showroom. These are my top 10 brands and they're the ones I'm going to be most committed to. And does that mean that it's always going to be that same 10 brands? Is it going to change over time? Will some partnerships work out and some maybe falter? For sure, this never is, nothing's ever written in stone, but there's no reason why I can't do some sort of year contract with my top 10 brands and say, I'm going to commit all these displays to you, all this floor space to you. And in return, you're going to commit marketing dollars to me, not just hand me a $500 check and tell me to figure out how to go marketing. Let's use your marketing resources, much bigger company than me. (laughs) Let's use your marketing resources and the things you've learned and the data that you can pull about my territory and uh, thoughtfully spend that $500 in marketing on Instagram, as opposed to me scattershot, just trying to figure it out because I don't have a marketing department. I have myself. So food for thought, I guess, (laughs) but let's do it. Like, let's just stop talking about it. Let's do it. So in addition to 50 subscribers, patreon.com slash light files, interviews coming your way, I invite anybody who is a manufacturer that knows my business, that knows they're a key key manufacturer for my showroom, let's work out a deal. Let's test pilot something and see how it goes and see if it's something that that maybe the whole industry can duplicate. Um, Why not? What could it hurt to try to better entrench these relationships so that if you're selling 25% direct to consumer, uh, I don't know how much e-commerce is. I'm just going to call it another 25%. 25% direct-to-consumer, 25% e-com, 50% showroom distribution. Oh, I'm forgetting big box. Anyway, so it's just me winging out numbers clearly. <laughs> um, so let's say uh, showrooms have, let's call it 30% of the business. Why not really engage and strengthen that 30% of your business? Gosh, I hope it's more than that. Anyway, Like, but why not? 
why not really invest in that when there's a moment? Because you know, we all know, there's never going to be anybody more committed to these products and these goods and what can they, they can do for consumers than the owners and staff and managers of independent lighting showrooms. All right, y'all, that's it for me. Have a great week. Patreon.com slash lightfiles, 50 subscribers. Let's go. Everyone take care.